So there are only 147 days to go until Christmas. How exciting is that? Is it too early to be talking about Christmas? Oh, Christmas is by far my favorite day of the year. Now, I love celebrating my birthday. Next year, I turn 40, so I'm going to go all out, be preparing what you're going to get me right now. I'm just laying, just laying the groundwork now. Just, I'll give you a list if you're in now. So I love celebrating my birthday, but Christmas, by far, hands down, the best day of the year. And you know, for many of us, it's the day that we keep holy. It's the day we keep holy. And that word holiday is taken from an old English word that literally means holy day. And so Christmas is different to any other day of the year, isn't it? It's a day when we gather together with friends and with with family and we share what is quite possibly the biggest and the best meal of the year. It is my fate. Oh my gosh, I just look. I, I can't come soon enough. Why do we only do Christmas dinner on Christmas? It's the best meal of the year. We should be doing it well anyway. And a lot of businesses and workplaces close, so for the majority of us, not all, but for the majority of us, we won't go to work on that day. Instead, we play games and we laugh and we have fun and we nap and we just generally enjoy life. And why do we do it? To celebrate and to remember the birth of Jesus. And Wizard famously sang, I wish it could be Christmas every day. And that might be a little bit overkill, but what if... What if we could have Christmas Day once a week? What if we could have Christmas Day once a week? And the reality is, we can. Not only can we have Christmas Day once a week, the Bible encourages it. The Bible encourages it. You know, the first reference in Scripture to the word holy in the Bible is found in Genesis 2, Verses 1 to 3, a verse that we've been reading and looking at over the past four weeks. Let me read it to you again. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was complete. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation and so he rested. He Sabbathed from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. And so what does that word holy mean? It comes from the Hebrew word kadash, which simply put means set apart. Set apart. Now when my granddad passed away, we inherited, not a lot from him, but we inherited a set of silver cutlery. And in our house growing up, this silver cutlery would sit in a drawer until Christmas Day. And then on Christmas Day, the good stuff would come out along with the the good wine and and we would use this fancy cutlery together and then Christmas Day was over and it would go back in the drawer until the following year. Now there was nothing divine about this silverware. It wasn't pure, it wasn't righteous, but we could call it Kadash because it was set apart for a specific purpose. And so once God had finished his work of creation, he declared the seventh day holy, set apart. And what was it set apart for? To rest. And so as we close out this teaching series for July, I just want to focus in on the practice of Sabbath. 
And for those of you who have been connected to life groups, you know we've been working through this journey over four weeks, looking at what it means to practice Sabbath and how we can put it into, uh, into practice within our lives. And hopefully this morning, as we just kind of recap through it and maybe dig into it a little bit deeper, it'll cement something within your lives that means you can continue on with that practice. And for those of you who have not been connected into um, the Life Group series, this is an opportunity for you guys maybe to just catch a hold of this 6-1 rhythm of life that was put into the fabric of creation. And you know, I know from uh, the discussions in my Life Group and from chatting to others who have been connected in, that you guys are enjoying actually having a go at practicing the Sabbath. Now, let me just read to you from the introduction of our life group study guide. It says this. Few things are as desperately needed today as the recovery of the ancient practice of Sabbath. A full day every week set aside to stop, to rest, to delight and to worship. We don't Sabbath because it's good for us, though it is but because we're apprentices to Jesus, our rabbi and our Lord. To follow after Jesus is to adopt his overall lifestyle as our own and arrange our daily life around his presence and peace. And Jesus Sabbathed. Sabbath is a day for healing and freedom. It's a day where the kingdom to come has come. And as we attempt to give ourselves more deeply to Jesus, he will give us rest for our souls. And so that is just kind of a summary of of what we've been looking at these past four weeks. And so this morning, I want to just work through these four movements of Sabbath, to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. And so firstly, stop. So this, this word Sabbath in Hebrew, it can be translated into these four words, which is why the course has taken us through them. But in its most literal meaning of the verb, it's to stop, to stop. And so Sabbath is at its most basic, an invitation, a call to cease, to be done, to stop. It's a day to stop working. It's a day to stop wanting. It's a day to stop worrying. It's a day for us to just stop. And in the story of creation, what we've seen and we've been looking at over this series is that God created over the first six days, putting into motion the stars and the planets, day and night, land and water and every living thing that we can see. He put it all into motion in those first six days. But on the seventh day, When his work was complete, he stopped. He stopped. And let me just pause for a moment and speak just to those of you who have not been connected into the Life Group series because um, as we've been on this journey, there's been this encouragement to us that actually we don't need to just dive into this full on because to take 24 hours out of our week to stop, to rest, to delight and worship can actually be quite a challenge for us. And so the guidance throughout the course has been, just start where you're at. Just start where you're at. And so maybe, maybe taking a full 24 hours is just, it just seems like I cannot do that right now. That's just not going to work for me in my context. So just start where you're at, if that's 
an hour a day, an hour a week, sorry, or, or a couple of hours one day. And just start where you're at, and that's okay. So I'm on, and I've mentioned it a few times. I'm not going to keep harping on about it, but I'm on the couch to 5K journey, um, trying to get myself a little bit fitter and a little bit healthier. Um, but day one, week one, day one, the, the program and the format that it took me on, it looked like this. 60 seconds of running, 90 seconds of walking, repeat seven times. Now, when you read that and you hear that, you think, that's pretty easy, yeah? But let me tell you, week one, day one, after that first 60-second run, I was desperate for the guy to tell me, you can slow down and have a little walk right now. It was just, yeah, I was exhausted. But now I'm on week seven, and the week seven program looks like this. Run for 25 minutes. Don't stop. Do you know, I couldn't have jumped straight into week seven, day one. If I'd have just gone, ah, it's fine, I'll just jump straight to it. I might have made it through 25 minutes of sort of running, but at the end of it, I'd have just been so exhausted and so overwhelmed and so deflated that I just gave up. And so what I've enjoyed, enjoyed's probably a stretch, what I've endured is going through this journey and gradually building up to the place where, yeah, week one, day one, 60 seconds of running was just ridiculous and I needed that 90 seconds to catch my breath back before I went again. But now, week seven, day one, I can run 25 minutes without needing to stop. And so I just want to give that as an encouragement because it's taken me that journey of just growing into it in order to be able to do this. And so as we apply that to the practice of Sabbath, maybe don't just jump headlong into taking a full day off a week and applying all of the principles and the practices of all of the things that we're going to talk about this morning and we've been talking about in life groups. Because what I don't want is for you to give it a go all guns blazing, one, da- one time, one day of one week, and then just be deflated and overwhelmed and exhausted by it all and think, I can't do this, and write it off. I would much rather we spent one hour of our week and just spent time in God's presence and enjoyed that and rested and delighted and worshipped him for one hour And then added to that the following week and just built ourselves up into a place where this becomes comfortable for us. Start small. Let it grow. Let it flourish into something bigger. Because I think that with the pace of the the life that we're living in right now and this idea of, of stopping, of hitting pause is perhaps actually something quite appealing to us because, you know, we're, we're going uh, full on 24-7 just working and doing all the chores and all of this stuff that actually this idea of stopping, it, it can seem quite appealing to us. But maybe something that we'll find challenging as we begin to put it into practice. And so the first practical thing as we look at this first movement of stopping is just to choose a time and a day when you're going to do this. So just look at your pattern of life, of your circumstance, of your situation, and think, when is this going to work for me? And so for many of us, that will look like a Sunday Sabbath, because we come together and we gather together in church on a Sunday morning for a couple of hours, and we're worshipping God. 
And then maybe we can go home and we can just spend the afternoon just relaxing and eating good food and being in good company. So Sunday might be a good day for you. Or there's the traditional Sabbath, which is from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And that's how we do it in our family Or maybe for you, if you've got a non-traditional work week, that might look like a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever it is for you. You know your context. You know what's going to work best for you. And so the first practical thing we can do is look at our lives and just pick one day in our week that we are going to set apart, that we are going to declare as holy. And so that's part one, to stop. And so we move into the second movement taught in our series on Sabbath, which is to rest, to rest. And the summer holidays have kicked in. And so maybe some of you have got plans to get away over the summer. We've got camping in a couple of weeks. That's perhaps not quite rest. We've then got Spain at the end of the month where we're going to take a week and go to Spain. I absolutely cannot wait. However, the less good news for this is that studies have shown that we struggle to enter into rest when we're on holiday. And so actually, this study showed that it takes almost 48 hours for us to actually wind down and settle into a place of true rest. And then what we'll also find is as we get near to the end of our holiday, we begin to think about and worry about the things that we're going to return to. And so in our seven nights away in Spain we'll maybe get two days of rest. (laughs) But it's going to be good rest. It's going to be good rest. But I'm still excited for it. So let's jump back to our passage in Genesis. It says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then he blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rested. But maybe you're saying, yeah, I don't quite uh, buy into this, this idea of Sabbath. I'm really busy. God rested. Yeah, okay, I get it. But I've got this really demanding job that I love. God rested. Yeah, I get that. But I've got young kids at home. And so maybe what we'll do is we'll wait until X, Y. God rested. God rested. And so as we try to put this practice of Sabbath into place in our lives, in our context, we're bound to find resistance from one thing or another. A pull that tries to take us away from Sabbath. And so what we need to do is put things into place. We need to put some things into place to help us avoid having this gift stolen from us. Because it is a gift. And so practically speaking, in the New Testament, the the day before Sabbath was called the preparation day. And so they literally had a whole day that was designated to getting ready for Sabbath. Getting ready for actually entering into rest. And so for us, that might not look like a full day. That's probably not realistic. But maybe... We could dedicate an hour or two the day before our Sabbath just to get ready, 
Let's clear off our emails and our text messages. Let's get our work done, shut the laptop and put it away. Let's make our plans for meeting up with people. Let's go and do the shopping and prep the meals. Let's get all the chores out of the way. Anything that might try to creep in and steal this idea of Sabbath from us. Because getting this groundwork done beforehand will give us the best chance possible to actually enter into rest. And we're also going to face kind of social uh, challenges. They're going to try and pull us away from rest when we actually enter into our Sabbath. And that's going to be different for each and every one of us. It might be your phone or social media. It might be the television or the latest news or shopping, whatever it might be. We need to begin to put things into place to stop them from impacting our Sabbath. And so that might look like switching off your phone and putting it away or hiding the TV remote for a little bit. You know, if you take something, put it in a box and put it in a cupboard, that means you've got like two or three steps that you've got to get through before you do the thing that you're perhaps not going to, you're supposed to do. And so you've got to be really intentional about breaking that decision you've made. Okay, for this 24 hours, I'm not going to look at my phone. So if it's turned off and in a box and in a cupboard, You've got to open that cupboard and you've got to be thinking, I shouldn't really be doing this. You've got to take it out of the box. Oh, I shouldn't really be doing this. Then you've got to power it on. And you've got those few seconds where you're waiting for it to look. I probably, this is not what I want to be doing today, but I'm doing it anyway. If you put those steps in place, it will make it easier for you to enter into Sabbath rest. And so I encourage you to just think about your context. What is it that, that is, is likely to pull you away, to distract you from Sabbath? Is it, you know, you're looking at your house and thinking, oh, I just need to get the washing up done and X, Y, and Z. Well, then make a plan to be out of the house on your Sabbath. Just have a look at, at what your environment is, what your situation is, and try your best to remove those distractions. And so we've got stop, we've got rest. And the third movement is delight, delight. The Sabbath is an entire day set aside to follow God's example, to stop, to rest, and to delight, to delight in the world, to delight in our lives, and ultimately to delight in God himself. Because when God had finished his six days of work, he looked at what he had created and he saw it was very good. He delighted in his creation. He delighted in us. And so there's an encouragement and an invitation here for us to stop, to rest, and to delight. Dr. Alender, in his book Sabbath, he wrote this. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. It's the day we anticipate on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And it's the day that we remember on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast 
play, dance, have sex with our spouse, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in all its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. What an interesting thought that is. That actually it almost feels selfish, doesn't it? To take a whole day out to say, I'm not going to do any work. I'm not going to do anything that I don't enjoy. I'm just going to be in God's presence and I am going to have a great time. It almost feels selfish, doesn't it? But this is all rooted in God. This is all rooted in his pattern, in his example, in his teaching. That we should stop and rest and set aside an entire day to delight, to have joy. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15 verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to be filled with joy and with delight. We'll face troubles. And Jesus said so himself. He said that we will face troubles and sorrow is inevitable for us. But there's another way. Jesus is offering us joy. He's inviting us into joy. And so again, as we, as we look at this, let's just get practical for a moment. What does it look like to, to experience delight as part of our practice of Sabbath? And, and just like the previous two movements, delight is absolutely something we can get on board with. You know, I am good to stop and to switch off the busyness of the world. Give me rest. Give me a full eight hours sleep, undistracted and not woken up by children, please. And yes, let me delight. And so it was just great looking at the, the exercises, the homework that they gave you in life groups for week three. Have a feast. Eat well. Come on. And pleasure stack. What that means is, Maybe just hang off doing some of the things that you love during the week. So when it gets to your Sabbath day, you can go all guns blazing into the things that bring you joy and delight, whatever that might be for you. Oh God, give me a day where I can just stop and rest and delight in that list of things that I just read out a moment ago. I don't know who is not excited about doing those things. And that, to me, sounds like Christmas Day. I'm going to eat the best meal of my life. I'm going to feast. And I am going to do a whole bunch of stuff that I enjoy. Hanging out with friends and family, playing games, laughing, napping, all of that stuff. That is good. I am on board with that. But you know, I was challenged this past, this past week and I think my life group was too because what we've found is when we've spent our, our life group sessions just reflecting on how the previous Sabbath went 
You know, we were, we were often saying things like, yeah, I stopped and, and I rested and I ate good food and I went for a walk and all that good stuff. And that is really good stuff. But we also talked about, I chilled out in front of the TV and, you know, I just, I don't know, it switched off from the world with X, Y, and Z. And I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm not saying we need to necessarily even get legalistic about what we can and can't do on the Sabbath. But if, if that's all there is, if those things are the highlight of our Sabbath, then I think we've missed the point. I think we're perhaps not quite entering into what it is that God is inviting in, us into, what it is that he intended for us in creation. Because if Sabbath looks to you like chilling out and resting, and that's it, which is good, that's not it. There is so much more to experience and enter into than just shutting off and slowing down and finding that rest that we all long for. It's been described in a podcast I was listening to as Sabbish. It's sort of, it's almost Sabbath, but it's not quite Sabbath. It's Sabbish. And I think for a lot of us, myself included, when we've been reflecting back on our Sabbath experience, it's been a bit Sabbish. It looks good and it feels good, but it's quite not, not quite everything that God intended it to be. Because the truth is, after a long week of hard work, after all the pressure and the stress and the strain and the worry and the anxiety of the week that has gone before, what we long for is to switch off and to tune out, to hit the pause button and to find some rest. And so what we do is we turn on Netflix or Amazon Prime or we watch our favorite soaps or we scroll through our social media feeds, numbing out the world and finding rest like that. And without a doubt, we can find rest that way. It absolutely will bring you to a place where you're just feeling a little bit calmer and a little bit more chilled out with life as we put ourselves on standby mode and we block out the noise and the chaos of the world with just white noise. But that's not the rest that God is calling us into with this practice of Sabbath. That's cheap rest. That's cheap rest. And we're so guilty of it, myself included, because we live in a world of instant gratification where I want what I want, but I'm not willing to wait for it. I'm not willing to put in the work for it. What I really want right now is a really tasty burger. And so what I could do is I could go to the shops and I could buy the finest quality mints that's available and I could go home and throw into a bowl with some herbs and spices and seasoning and I could just mush it all together with my hands and mold it into the shape of a burger and slap it on the grill for 10-15 minutes while I prepare a salad and maybe some chips 
and slice some cheese and get a brioche roll and just toast that for a few moments. Are you beginning to salivate right now? Getting hungry. And then once it's ready, I can sit down at the table and just take a bite of this delicious burger. Or what I can do is drive two minutes down the road and spend $1.99 and get myself a McDonald's cheeseburger. And I can fulfill that need in a flash. But the rest that God is calling us to is not cheap rest. It's not McDonald's $1.99 savor menu rest. He wants for us Sabbath rest. He doesn't want for us to just switch off and tune out of the world. In fact, it's the opposite of that. It's absolutely the opposite of that. He wants us to switch on and tune in. Because Sabbath rest is a rest that is found in relationship with him. And relationships aren't quick. And relationships aren't easy. And you can't get relationships that are good for you for $1.99. And that brings us on to our final point. Stop, rest, delight, and worship. Worship. You know, I started this morning with the countdown to Christmas. And the truth is that when it comes to Christmas Day, there are a barrage of things, of distractions, of of all kinds of stuff that are trying to pull us away from acknowledging the true meaning and the purpose of that day, which is, of course, Jesus. And so we get caught up in the buying and wrapping of gifts and the crackers and the food and the presents and all of that stuff to the point where oftentimes Jesus is just half an hour or an hour at the start of the day and then we've ticked that box and he's gone and he's forgotten. And in the same way, we live in a world and a culture and a society that is trying its best to pull us away from entering into true Sabbath rest. Because Sabbath is not just about stopping and resting and delighting, but arguably the most important part of Sabbath is worship. Is worship. Because taking 24 hours out of our week is a challenge. It's not easy. Because there's this constant pull of work and of shopping and of of technology and of just the drive to go, go, go constantly. But here's the important thing about the practice of Sabbath. We love the idea of stopping and putting aside all the busyness. We love the idea of actually resting. We absolutely love the idea of delight in feasting and in in enjoying all of those things that bring us joy. And that's all great. But the practice of Sabbath is not about taking time out. It's about taking time in, in the presence of God. Because if we miss out worship from our Sabbath practice, That's just a day off. 
That's not Sabbath. That's a day off. But he's created for us. He's given us this gift, this opportunity, this invitation to enter into rest. And when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, Sabbath was on that list. In fact, it was the biggest one on that list. It has the more words than any of the other things to steal, don't steal, don't kill, don't do all of that stuff. Do Sabbath. It was on that list. It was commanded to us that we should remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Keep it set apart. Sabbath is not just a day to sleep in and to relax and do all of those things that bring us joy. It is those things, but it's so much more. It's so much more because it's a day to worship. Now, we talked about, at the beginning, the first use of the word holy, which was in relation to this day, to Sabbath. And as we come to the final movement in the practice of Sabbath, worship, let's just take a minute and look at the first mention in Scripture of the word worship and allow that to frame this final movement of the practice. And the first mention of the word worship is found in Genesis chapter 22. It says this, So Abraham rose early in the morning, he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for a burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day... Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, You stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and then come back to you again. And so Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they both of them went off together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and he laid down the wood in order and then he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. This first picture in scripture of worship is not singing it's not playing nice music. It's not dancing. It's making a sacrifice. The first time worship is mentioned in scripture is about a man taking his son up to an altar to sacrifice him to God. It's about sacrifice. And so there's a way for us to find a greater depth to our Sabbath experience. But the challenge is, 
it's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require some sacrifice because what we might want at the end of our long, hard week is to just tune out the noise of the world with our phones or TV or whatever it might be for us so that we can find some rest. But this day, this Sabbath, this day that is set apart, that is holy, is not a day about us and our needs. This is a day ultimately about God. This day is not a day about finding cheap rest. It's not a day off, but it's a day in God's presence, delighting in him and worshipping him, even if that feels like a sacrifice. Paul appeals to us in Romans 12 to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And he goes on, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that, is by, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now he might not have known about the iPhone or Netflix or Amazon Prime or 24-hour shopping. But what he did know about was that the world wanted to pull us away from God's plan and God's purpose and the rest that he is inviting us into. He got that 2,000 years ago. And we need to remind ourselves of that today because there's a challenge for us as we close out this practice of Sabbath and this series on rest. And the challenge for us is, do we really want to worship God? Do we really want to worship God? Because our natural response to being in the presence of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the Almighty, the All-Powerful, the All-Knowing, the Ever-Present God, our natural response should be worship. And yet... When it comes to rest, we choose to tune out the world by turning on the TV or picking up our phones. Do we really want to worship God? You know, this practice of Sabbath, it's about spending as much time in conscious communion with our Heavenly Father. That is the invitation. That is the design. That was the intention from the very beginning of creation. God knew that life was going to be hard because he knew what Adam and Eve were going to do at the beginning and that sin would enter the world and that life would no longer be peachy. He knew it all. And so what he did was he declared the seventh day holy, set apart to be with him, to rest in him, to delight and to worship him. Because he knew that life would be hard and he knew that life would be busy and he knew that as time went on, culture would want to pull us away from being in his presence. And so he gives us this gift, he gives us this invitation where, which says, you can enter into rest, not cheap rest, 
but true rest. Sabbath rest. And so the challenge for us as we perhaps enter into or continue on this journey of Sabbath is when we're feeling exhausted and tired and wiped out and broken and beaten and when we're tempted to reach for whatever it looks like for us that essentially is this cheap rest is to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to make a sacrifice of praise and I'm going to dedicate this day to him. I'm not going to fall into the trap and the patterns of this world. Like Paul said in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I'm not going to choose that. I'm going to choose what is good and what is right and sometimes what is hard and what is challenging and maybe even not what I want to do because it takes a bit of work, but I'm going to choose to worship my heavenly father. And that is the challenge for us. That is the challenge for us. That the worship part of our Sabbath is not just a tick box. It is not just something we get out of the way so we can delve into the chilling out and the resting and the delighting, but that actually it's all encompassing. It all works together in unison because as we stop, as we switch off from the busyness of the world and we begin to enter into that true rest with him, as we begin to find delight in all the things that give us joy, the things that God provided for you, that because of all of that, the natural, the only right response for us is to worship God, is to worship him, to give him the glory to give him the praise, to give him the honor above all things when you want to and even when you don't want to. Choose what is good. Choose what is right. And so I hope and I pray that as we've gone through this series in July and through the life group teaching on this practice of Sabbath is that maybe you've caught something of the heart of what was designed and created for us at the beginning of creation that God is encouraging us and challenging us to enter into true rest, to taking time out of our busy lives, to delight in him, to, do, to worship him, but also... To allow that practice and to allow that attitude and to allow that culture to permeate into the other six days of our lives. So that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday we're also worshipping him. And Thursday and Friday and Saturday we're also worshipping in him. Because he deserves all the glory, not just one day. And so may the God of rest fill you with his peace and his presence as you rest in him. Why don't we pray? Our God, I thank you for 
my personal experience of going on this journey and I thank you for what you've been teaching me and showing me and challenging me and and so I pray that as I continue to put this into practice that you will continue to work in me that I won't beat myself up when I don't quite do it how I know it should be done that I won't get caught up in the legalism of the list of what I can and cannot do on this day, but that actually I will recognize the, the gift that it is, the invitation that it is, not to get caught up in the legalistics, but to get caught up in your presence. And I pray that same thing for each and every person here this morning. that you would once again invite us into your presence. That you would remind us of the gift that you have given us of resting in you, of delighting in you, and ultimately of worshiping you because you deserve it all. You deserve it all, God. You are in all things and above all things. And so we praise you and we worship you. And once again, may we lay down our lives as living sacrifices for you. May we give you a sacrifice of praise and of worship. And may we enter into true and perfect rest. In Jesus' name.